0: Hello, and welcome to Direct Current, an energy.gov podcast. I'm your host, Matt Dozier. Today, we've got an interview for you with Jigger Shah. He's the new director of the Loan Programs Office, one of the energy department's most powerful tools for investing in clean energy. Jigger had a ton of interesting stuff to say about how LPO works, how it has changed, and how it's advancing Secretary Granholm's vision for creating jobs and combating the climate crisis. Stay tuned. It's science for the people. This is direct current. I'm speaking today with Jigger Shah, director of the Department of Energy's Loan Program's Office. Jigger, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I feel right at home in the podcasting booth.
0: Right. You're no stranger to podcasts since (laughs) you were a co-host on the Energy Gang for many years. And I can't believe it's taken you joining the Department of Energy to finally get that Energy Gang direct current crossover people have been waiting for.
1: This is going straight to my LinkedIn page.
0: Yes, yes. And I listened to your final episode of the show, and it was quite a heartfelt send-off from your co-hosts.
1: Yeah, you should have uh, seen how long it took us to get through it. We were all... Teary-eyed.
0: I bet, I bet. So you've joined the Department of Energy now uh, as director of the Loan Programs Office. Now, the Loan Programs Office, not one of DOE's better known elements, I think it's safe to say. Uh, For our listeners out there who aren't familiar with LPO, what is the office's function?
1: Yeah, I mean, the office was set up by Pete Domenici and others in 2005 during the Energy Policy Act, and it's been enhanced in 2007 and 2009 during the era stimulus bill, and you know at at its core it provides senior debt to innovations that really need to sort of cross this bridge to bankability so when you think about the technologies that we funded in the past under title 17 it's renewable energy energy efficiency uh, nuclear with the vodal nuclear plant fossil so you know things like carbon sequestration and storage and others and then we have the ATVM program, which is the Advanced Technology Vehicle Manufacturing Program, where we gave five point nine billion dollars to Ford to recapitalize other manufacturing facilities, and and you know almost five hundred million dollars to Tesla, Nissan, Fisker, et cetera. And then we've recently been given a two billion dollar loan guarantee program for the Tribal Energy Program that we manage as well. But the the office has about forty billion dollars or so of existing capacity that we're actively seeking applications for, and. The interest rates are, you know, right around U.S. Treasuries plus a vig, and then uh, we can go out thirty years, and then there's some premium that gets paid to smaller borrowers in the beginning, but um, pretty good rates, and you know, a pretty flexible program.
0: So, just from your, you know, description here, I know you're coming in as somebody with pretty in-depth knowledge of this world. When you say senior debt, can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So, when you think about project finance and how project finance works, or asset finance for that matter. There's somebody who actually holds title to the property. So it's sort of like if you have a mortgage on your house, that's senior debt, right? Like if something goes wrong, they have the ability to foreclose on your house and, you know, and take your house, right? And they're first in line, right? And so we're always first in line. So we are the most senior debt on there. And... And it's important because um, it it gives us the most flexibility by which to help the borrowers in times of uh, struggles and needs.
0: Right. And a term that comes up with, with LPO a lot is loan guarantees, right? So I think people are familiar with loans. LPO is more focused on loan guarantees. Can you help elaborate the difference there?
1: Yeah. So in Title 17 and ATVM, we actually have the ability to provide people with loans direct, from the U.S. Treasury Department through the Federal Financial Bank. And so so that's cash directly to a project. So those are loans that we can provide directly to a uh, a project. And the guarantee product, that's basically someone like uh, PNC Bank or Huntington Bank or, you know, something like that doing all the underwriting work, all the effort, and then coming to us and saying, we would like the Loan Guarantee Office to give us an 80% guarantee of our exposure because we don't feel comfortable with this technology risk or this particular aspect or whatever so we so if you guys agree that this is a good project to fund we'd like for you to give us 80% guarantees and so in that case the bank did all the underwriting work all we did was provide a, a guarantee to the bank and and we certainly had to do our own underwriting work but it's a much easier process because we can read their work
0: right so what's it been like moving from the private sector to a federal agency
1: Honestly, it's not that much different, right? I mean, ultimately, we go out to market and we convince people that it's worth talking to us. And then we say, you know, put in a loan application. They say, we don't know how to do that. And so then we, you know, help them through it and go through the steps and why the steps are needed. But the process of educating the marketplace about what we do and why we might be able to be helpful to them is pretty straightforward and familiar to me. And then our origination group is, you know, the same, right? So it basically spends about... $2 $2 million per loan evaluating the loan. So we hire independent engineers and we hire outside market participants to double check all the borrowers work, right? We want to make sure that if they say, Hey, here's what the cost of electricity has been for the last 20 years. And here's what we think it'll be in the future. Or here's what the price of hydrogen has been in the last five years. Here's what we think it'll be in the future. We want an independent third party to validate that for us. And so that we're not taking the borrower's word for it. Um, and we, we reach out to our 10,000 engineers and scientists who work for the Department of Energy and the labs around the country, and ask them to make to opine on whether the technology is going to work, and uh, you know whether we're going to really be able to get comfortable with what we call the reasonable prospect of repayment, right? And then once it gets you know funded, then there's a portfolio management division. All of the things that we do at the Loan Programs Office is actually quite similar to what a bank does. The only difference is is that banks basically don't want to do new things, right? Not because you know, they hate innovation, but just because if they can meet their numbers for the year, right, their loan book for the year without doing something new, that's easier than doing something new. Doing something new means you have to convince the bank president to do it and the credit committee. There's all sorts of people who haven't heard of it before and, you know, they don't want to do it. And so that's why we exist because uh, a lot of banks are saying, well, until there's three or four other projects that have been operating for a few years, we don't really want to look at it.
0: What's your focus going forward now that you've joined LPO? What are you thinking about?
1: Well, so there's two answers to the question, right? I mean, you know, the one answer is very clear, right, which is we need to get the money out the door. The, the secretary has been very clear that the money has been dormant for a little while and we have $40 billion of capacity. And, you know, some portion of that's fairly straightforward to get out the door and we should get it out the door. Um, so that's, I mean, that's pretty clear marching orders. I think <laughs> the, the other side of it is where applications are coming from, right? So we might on paper say this particular area is really large and there's a lot of money moving, and a lot of deals to be done and a lot of senior debt needed. But if people don't really need us or don't want to use us, well, then, you know, we're not going to succeed by continuing to hit our head against the wall. So so a lot of it's really sort of just identifying sectors and then double checking to make sure that there's actually interest from the private sector in using what we have to offer. So for instance, areas that we found a lot of synergy in are green hydrogen, biofuels, transmission lines, you know, offshore wind projects, energy efficiency and uh, virtual power plants. You know, we've had a lot of interest on the fossil side, on carbon sequestration and storage, a lot of interest on the nuclear side with an advanced small modular reactors and micro reactors, a lot of interest on the advanced technology vehicle manufacturing program on battery manufacturing, critical minerals, you know, EV manufacturing facilities. And then even in the tribal energy program, we've actually been able to really do a concentrating listening session. And I think out of that, we've gotten three or four new projects that have been proposed to us. So we haven't yet issued our first loan out of the tribal energy loan program, our first loan guarantee. But we're pretty hopeful that uh, these projects that have recently come in, you know, will be qualifying.
0: Right. And Secretary Granholm, as you mentioned, has been abundantly clear about her feeling on the matter. We had her on the show recently, and she specifically shouted out LPO as a big component of her vision for creating good-paying union jobs and clean energy. How, from your standpoint, does the Loan Programs Office fit into that goal, that vision, along with the President's American Jobs Plan?
1: Yeah. And so, you know, we have a requirement to pay Davis-Bacon wages on all of the construction of all of the projects that we fund. So from that perspective, we're paying very uh, healthy wages to all of the people that are involved in the projects that we fund. Separately, I think on the union side, we have been having extensive conversations with the unions around how they might bring technical expertise as well as other uh, value to the table to make sure that you know they get selected as the EPC contractors for a lot of the work that we're promoting. And so we spent a lot of time you know, making sure that both sides, the borrowers that we service, um, and the unions are able to talk to one another. And, you know, some of the communication uh, snafus of the past have been bridged. And um, and yeah, we, we can't force people to use one contractor or another. But we can certainly suggest to people that, you know, we want to make sure that these projects are built in a way that's safe uh, and of very high quality and, you know, meet the needs of the American taxpayer.
0: Turning now to climate, can you talk about the importance of investment in large-scale clean energy projects in the way that LPO is able to do in tackling the climate crisis?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I guess what I'd say is that the Loan Programs Office was really essential at these large-scale projects back in 2010, 2011. But today, I'd say the largest large-scale projects, whether it's offshore wind or onshore wind or solar, really are well-served by commercial debt markets. And so there's really no reason for us to step in to a place that's well-served. And so where we insert ourselves are in places where there's a disconnect in the market. So for instance, in offshore wind, a lot of the individual components of the supply chain uh, have to be stood up uh, in the country so that we can manufacture those parts here. And those companies are having a hard time raising money. Or in the solar space, when you think about solar manufacturing in the United States or inverter manufacturing in the United States or some of these other types of things that you know folks are interested in. So in those mature categories, I would say that we have a lot less of a role to play there. Now, in residential solar, we might have a much bigger role. And then that's a collection of a bunch of $15,000 projects where there is solar plus storage which is innovative, or, uh, you know, including DER, you know, distributed energy resources, where you can also control the thermostat or the refrigerator or the water heater, and, you know, use that to be able to level the grid, right? So, you know, like when you think about California spilled about, you know, 1600 gigawatt hours of renewable energy last year, and they could have captured a lot of that if they had demand dexterity in the grid. So they could, you know, make, people's houses a little bit cooler than they had set it for and use some of that power then and then not used it later in the afternoon when they would have turned it on, right? And so starting to time the loads in the homes with when there's overproduction of electricity is something that does qualify for Loan Programs Office and a lot of the residential solar players are in the best place to, you know, promote those services. Um, And so you can imagine that there are more... Uh, innovative next generation approaches that we're looking at today than we did before. Virtual power plants are very similar where a lot of appliances are financed at the point of purchase on the spot, right? So your air conditioning craps out and you're like, oh man, I need one because it's hot outside. You hire the guy to come out and the guy goes, well, you don't have money? Oh, well, you know, we've got a financing plan right here. turns out that finance plan is often 30% interest. And so we can insert ourselves there and help people get 6% interest rates or 7% interest rates. But in exchange, right, they have to, you know, opt in their uh, air conditioning system into a distributed energy resources project and, you know, get paid to provide grid flexibility. Um, And so those are the kinds of innovations we can lean into. There still are very large-scale projects that we're funding. So we've recently gotten applications in for transmission. Uh, and so there's some you know those are on average one billion to two billion dollar projects, so those are big projects and uh, And we also have large scale projects on the biofuel side where those are you know usually five hundred million dollars to $1 billion dollar projects and and others and so we we certainly see large scale projects today. but I think on the environmental justice side, which you know the president cares deeply about, I think distributed infrastructure is a, a good place for us to be able to pivot to be able to help meet the president's objectives.
0: On the justice front, that was another thing that came up in my conversation with Secretary Granholm. In terms of the work that LPO does and the way that it provides funding for energy, what are some of the ways that it can help advance energy justice and environmental justice?
1: Well, I think these distributed energy programs are the most straightforward way that we've thought about it. And when you think about appliances, it's not just refrigerators, air conditioners, and water heaters. It also includes solar plus storage, but it also includes electric cars right? So electric cars are DER-enabled appliances as well, right? So so when you look at the Texas Polar Vortex, there were some people who actually were able to power their whole house off their car, um, in fact, I'd say a car battery is probably the cheapest way to get a battery these days. Is it's uh, you know ninety kilowatt hours for I think a fourteen thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars for a used uh, Chevy Bolt. So I think that there's a lot that we can do there. I also think that the scope and the scale that we're trying to get after is pretty large. And you know I think we need to find large pockets of opportunity, right? So when you think about appliances, appliances alone, not counting electric vehicles. Is about a ten billion dollar a month, a month business, and roughly forty percent of those purchases are made by low moderate income households, right? So that's four billion dollars a month. So if we can shift four billion dollars a month of purchases from like some form of payday lending to you know low interest loans with long durations, that's going to save a tremendous amount of money for uh, the average consumer. And if those appliances are plugged into distributed energy resources, all of our modeling shows that it's the only idea that we have that can actually reduce electricity rates, not reduce the growth of electricity rates, but actually reduce electricity rates.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Is there anything going forward that folks listening should know about working with LPO?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things. And so we had a fairly substantial improvement to the program passed during the Energy Act of 2020 in December of 2020. And so one of the things that that does is really d- delay all application fees and payments to the loan program office until we actually approve and fund the loan. And so now you don't have to pay... A bunch of fees up front just to talk to us, right? Which was always offensive, but in any case, it was part of our rules, and so we finally built to drop that. I think uh, the second piece of it is that when you think about the breadth of what we can do, uh, the Congress was very clear that actually they want us to look at supply chains within the nuclear, you know, sector. They want us to look at, you know, some of these uh, small business. Opportunities. So they want us to not just do big deals, but small deals too. And so we have you know, really leaned in to that process. And, and the other thing I would say is that we have significantly shifted our part one application process. So it used to be that we did pre-consultations with people for six months, really kind of helping them write their application before they came in. Today, the pre-consultation process has really gotten short. So we're down to like two or three weeks. And then, you know, folks are putting in applications. So we're seeing a huge uptick in applications starting this week, uh, when I think we got two in yesterday. And then that's when we adjudicate the loan. So we actually have a six-week process where we determine, one, whether the technology that they're applying for saves greenhouse gas emissions, and two, whether they actually qualify within the existing solicitations that we put out. Um, And so we can tell them that in six weeks, which is pretty great, right? So now you have a piece of paper from the Department of Energy that says you qualify for the loan program, right? And so now you don't have to spend all of that money putting together all those documents on part two, which is, you know, the actual meat of the process where we have to spend $2 million of outside consulting. We have to do all this other stuff to actually underwrite the loan, We get the quick parts out of the way first so people can be confident that they're going to be evaluated fairly within part two uh, before they get their hopes up. Um, and so that has been a huge sigh of relief to a lot of our borrowers. They think that that process is far more uh, straightforward than it was before. And so I think that's a huge win for the, the team at LPO, as you can imagine. Most of that was already underway before I got there, so I can't take credit for any of it, but, uh, but I have a fabulous team. And then the last thing I'd say is that we've you know really admitted that the Tribal Energy loan program has just been not able to meet the needs of, the, of our partners. And so the tribal nations just have not found it to be useful. And so we've done a number of listening sessions, uh, one in particular just for the Loan Programs Office and the Office of Indian Energy. And uh, we're working really well together, and we've reformulated that team and that approach to really be able to be responsive to what we heard. And, you know, we got our first application in yesterday under that program, so we'll see whether that qualifies. But we also have four or five more that we know that are in the hopper. And so I feel pretty good that we, I think, have done a good job of listening to folks and are now starting to gel with what the tribal nations want.
0: Right. And I I remember that, you know, being kind of a refrain that would come up of the challenge being, there's this money available, And there are people who need money and finding a way to connect those two things, sometimes falling short within LPL. Would you say that that's fair and that's something that has been addressed and is part of what you're thinking about going forward?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, saying that something's been addressed is a a difficult thing to do. It's like sort of saying mission accomplished. Uh, I feel like uh, (laughs) our work is never done. So like, I mean, part of this is actually really explaining to people what we do some of our limitations, and the benefits that we provide. And for some people, we're not going to be the best place to get money because we're not inherently a subsidy. We're a bridge to bankability. What we're providing is money where no one else will provide money. We're not here to subsidize the project further, right? And I think that's critical because I think a lot of people think that we're here to provide a form of subsidy through a lower interest rate, and that's really not what the office does.
0: And and LPO is really one part of DOE's larger portfolio uh, array of funding options and sources.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's been, frankly, the best, most exciting part of this job is I've been able to have one-on-one meetings with I'd say, a number of the program offices within the Department of Energy. And it's just breathtaking to see how much the Department of Energy is doing, from demonstration projects to spinning out you know, technology from the labs and the Office of Tech Transfer and commercialization. When you think about some of the early stage uh, research that we're doing, it's really amazing Uh, what we're doing to prepare for the full decarbonization by 2035 of the electricity grid and the decarbonization of our society by 2050. And, And a lot of the folks at the Loan Programs Office are entering those conversations early to give guidance from our perspective around what we think the commercial markets might think is interesting uh, and bridge building, and others that they might think is a cul-de-sac or you know some sort of uh, dead end, which they're unlikely to fund. And you know, no one at DOE has to actually you know follow our advice. We're just one part of the, of the voice, but. I think we're having good conversations now, which I think is great. And I think the secretary has really stressed the one DOE approach. And we certainly have um, spent a lot of time working on that. But more importantly, I think the other program offices that we've interacted with have spent a lot of time working on that. And so we feel, you know, like we're really part of the family.
0: Really exciting times.
1: It is. I mean, you know, I, I can't even imagine what a difference the secretary has made. I mean, it's just... The deploy, deploy, deploy mantra is ringing through all of our ears, on a fairly regular basis. And you know, when I talk to external stakeholders, whether it was the city of Boston that I talked to today, or or some of the other uh, municipalities or nonprofits, or municipal utilities, investor-owned utilities, they're hearing the message. They're like, hey, how do we get in on deploy, deploy, deploy? How do we get involved in green hydrogen? How do we get involved in uh, electrifying transit buses or school buses? Or how do we build out EV charging stations or you know, other priorities of the president? And, um, and it's really breathtaking to see the sea change in the way in which people think the federal government is not only supporting them, but catalyzing them uh, I think has been, you know, really extraordinary to watch.
0: Jigger Shaw with the Loan Program's office. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me. You've, uh, you know, I thought that I was cold turkey on the on the podcast now. And you've now, you know, got me, you know, like craving podcasting again. So, so, so n- no, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you thought you were out and they dragged you back in. Well, hopefully we'll have you back on in the near future. You can scratch that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Out. I'd love to be on and, and thank you for, for giving me this opportunity.
0: All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Direct Current. If you want to learn more about what's new in the Loan Programs office, we'll have more info and links on our website, energy.gov podcast. Thanks to my guest, Jigger Shaw and to the rest of the folks at LPO. If you're enjoying the show, share it with a friend or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Direct Current is produced by me, Matt Dozier. Sarah Harmon creates original artwork for all our episodes. This is a production of the U.S. Department of Energy and published from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. See you next time.